0: Hello everyone, my name is Vuk and you're listening to the Anablock podcast. This show is exploration of enterprise software, technology and business. We share behind the scenes stories of successful people in the world of technology. When we don't record podcasts, we support clients with implementations of Salesforce applications. For more information about us, please visit anablock.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy this episode. Even, thank you very much for being on Anablock podcast. It's a pleasure to have you here.
1: Very happy to be here with you, uh, Book, and uh, you know, hopefully we'll have more chances to speak even after the podcast. Very happy to to see what you guys are doing, and hopefully, as I said, we'll we'll stay friends even after this.
0: Definitely, <laughs> thank you. Excellent. So, can you tell us where are you? Where are you uh? uh uh calling in from today I'm actually in Belgrade Serbia you know okay. so with
1: you know we we kind of share the same uh balkans background uh but uh, my roles are uh, in generally global uh okay. and i'm currently yeah I'm currently the CEO of m e p workshop, which is a venture builder company in the web free space and uh, I'm also acting as a general manager for Celsius Network Europe which is a development center for Celsius uh, Celsius Network which is uh, kind of like uh, let's say the the leading uh, crypto lending service probably right now in the world and also I'm uh, running orchestration and Polygon Edge uh, for Polygon which is also probably the leading uh, layer 2 or uh, let's say, Ethereum scaling solution right
0: now. That's amazing. I had an opportunity to um, you know, review your profile before we met. And I was just impressed with the number of um, blockchain projects that you were part of. And then not only the number, but also the quality and the scale of these projects. So it'd be definitely very interesting to dive deeper into each one of these projects. But I'm just kind of curious, maybe starting off from the be- beginning, you said you're in Belgrade. I'm assuming you probably grew up in belgrade like can you tell me um how or when did you get involved with blockchain like when did you hear about it and how did you get involved in in general in the whole ecosystem well
1: uh, it's kind of a short story uh, because uh, i've been building software for the last 20 or so years uh i started working you know as a, a system engineer in uh, 2001 which was my like first full-time job and for the first 10 or so years i've been doing engineering work some of it with distributed systems and with high performance and high availability systems and uh, in the last 10 years or so i mainly be have been running companies uh that build software in, in different ways and uh, Basically, in uh, my last venture, which was called the Final Technologies, you know, together with a partner and the majority owner, you know, we were uh, doing uh, a lot of interesting things in the WordPress space. And uh, that guy, Vladimir Prelovac, who started that company, he basically had uh, an idea that we should also try and uh, disrupt uh, emails as such. So uh, we tried uh, building uh, different different, uh, email clients, basically. And we realized in 2015 that we probably cannot build a a, a nicer looking and prettier and faster client than uh, what Gmail has. But we said maybe we can do a more secure and private one. So basically in 2015, in Devana, we started building an email service uh, called Lemon Email on top of Ethereum. And that uh, got us, yeah, that got us involved. I would say with uh, Ethereum as such. Mm-hmm. Uh, the current CTO of MEP Workshop was the, the engineering lead on that project. His name is Malis Popusonja. He basically uh, helped us build this email. And I remember, you know, we got um, an Ethereum grant back then in to about twenty thousand ethers, which was around eighteen thousand dollars back then. Yep. um in ether from actually gavin wood so uh that was a, an interesting let's say part of history because we are probably like the people who spent uh, over two three million dollars sending emails on, on that wow. service <laughs> in a way yeah so i think that was an interesting experience and and then after that you know when uh, Uh, The main uh, product of our company, Devana Managed WP, was actually acquired by GoDaddy. I was with GoDaddy for almost two years, which was my golden handcuff period. And uh, during that that time, I uh, stayed in touch with the web free world. And in 2017, I basically decided to go all in into web free. So uh, we started a company called MVP Workshop. Our first client was actually Celsius Network which today has close to 2 million users and uh, about $30 billion under management. And uh, we built over 50 different blockchain products, some of them successful, some not, both for ourselves and for our clients. The other big product that was kind of incubated in MVP uh, was uh, Polygon with Mikhail Belich, and it merged with Matic Network in 2020. And basically today it's the leading Ethereum scaling solution that we have today. So that got us involved with Celsius, as I said, basically our first client, which was back then in a concept stage. And uh, also Mihailo, one of our colleagues and partners, he started working, as I said, on Polygon and that led to this Matic integration, which obviously was hugely successful yeah, uh, definitely. Won. I think Serbia was also a big crypto country in a way from from the beginning. You actually had a uh, Serbian. Is there only, a reason for uh, this? Point in... Yeah, I, I think it's uh, well partially because of the sanctions and war in the nineties. I think. Uh, uh, Serbian and Balkan people understand uh, understood cryptocurrency a bit better. You know, We didn't wait to, for 2008 uh, to understand what happens when there is a bank run and, and all of these things. Uh, so uh, Serbs were actually, I think, uh, early adopters of Bitcoin. Even in 2011, you actually had a Serbian-only Bitcoin mining pool, which was like, one percent of the Bitcoin network or something, and wow. it didn't last long, you know obviously but uh, but I think uh, there is there are around twenty five or thirty thousand people mining crypto in Serbia, which is a lot for a uh, six million dollar uh, six million uh, people country
0: yeah, that's very true that's very interesting um usually for I think also part of the reason, like very high adoption rate of crypto is in um, Latin America, specifically like countries like Argentina for same reasons. So it's very interesting how like socioeconomic factors play an impact on how basically the technology is being developed. Um, What are your, I I guess, what's the current kind of ecosystem since we're already talking about Belgrade and and the community in general in Serbia around crypto? What's the ecosystem today when it comes to different projects, different startups, maybe more established companies that are in this space?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think, uh, well, first of all, you have uh, the whole product development deal- team there for Celsius Network, which is something we started. Okay. Uh, that's around 130 people right now, you know, building everything Celsius is doing. Uh, Then we have Polygon, you know, our team is building Polygon Edge. Uh, Polygon Edge is, uh, yeah, Polygon's like private chain uh, and sidechain answer to to these other, you know, uh, uh, internet of blockchain companies. So I think uh, you should uh, keep an eye on Polygon Edge. And actually the version 3 of Polygon uh, Proof-of-Stake chain is also being built in Serbia by a team called, called Ethereal in Novi Sad. So I think uh, when it comes to Polygon ecosystem, there is a lot of work being done in uh, Serbia and India, which are not like your traditional places for these type of projects. And I'm very happy for that. Then yeah. uh, outside of MP Workshop, of, of course, as a venture builder company, we have uh, Tenderly, we just raised the, yeah. the last round of $40 million and at a $320 million
0: evaluation. To yeah, with some high-end uh, uh, VCs from Silicon Valley too. That was uh, yeah, very interesting most to see. most
1: definitely, most definitely. I think uh, you know the the area is in general uh, bringing uh, more and more attention to Balkans. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, overall, then you of course have uh, Origin Trail, which is one of the leading, if not the leading, supply chain solutions based on. Uh, Ethereum and Polkadot, uh, you know, here in the region, which is basically a Serbian and Slovenian company, and uh, there there is also like fifty other different blockchain companies uh, uh, building their products here. Some of these teams are small, like five six people, and some of them are a couple of dozen to a hundred people, but. Uh, You know, there is a a lot of things happening in the region. Uh, You know, uh, anyway, you have uh, also the the local input output, uh, uh, you know, Hong Kong uh, office here building Cardano. You have a number of different projects building their own decentralized apps or uh, decentralized apps or basically building. uh, uh, projects for others. And uh, that's like 50-60 companies doing uh, blockchain-only products. You probably wow. have at least the same amount of companies in Serbia, uh, you know, doing the work uh, on, um, let's say, on something else as a core project, but using blockchain at least in some manner. I think right now, if you uh, go through link, LinkedIn and uh, search for like solidity developers in Serbia. You are going to find like eight or nine hundred of them in uh, Belgrade and Novi Sad alone. Wow. So I think that's uh, that's a really good number uh, coming from this standpoint that we are actually a, a small country, you know, with as I said uh, six million people in total, and uh, that uh, probably I, I think put us on the world map uh, and gave us
0: some attention. Yeah, I definitely agree. And how are these um, developers being groomed into solidity or in general, like web three developers, are they, you know, kind of wor- working uh, on the job, are learning on the job or are there some institutions or maybe organizations which are training and teaching them to become like, you know, to write smart contracts or in- interact with different nodes, et could,
1: Yeah. I think it's mostly on-the-job training, although because mm-hmm. we want to 10x that number of, of people working in blockchain, we are currently planning to build a, a Web3 academy You know, to help people transition from Web2 to Web3. And we are actually planning to launch that in May this year. Because okay. as I said, there is a number of companies here in this space. Uh, it's much easier also to add another developer to an existing team and have them uh, uh, learn on the job than it is to create the first five people to, you know, start uh, off an ecosystem. So we are good in that department. But as I said, uh, we want to 10x the number of engineers in Serbia working Mm -hmm. in Web3. So we are definitely taking a step, we're taking some steps to get there, actually together with our government.
0: Okay. So can you tell us a little bit more about your current um basically i guess you're involved in multiple projects where do you spend most of your time
1: uh i would say right now most of my work is being spent on strategy for mvp workshop as mm-hmm. a venture builder okay. and right after that uh, you know i'm um, Still, like this, in this transitioning role for Celsius Network, because uh, they acquired our team working on that, their products. Uh, but I think I'm more and more involved uh, in Polygon in general, both from Celsius Network standpoint, you know, because they are also using Polygon a lot, and both for from my own, you know, like set of beliefs, because I really think that what Polygon is doing is uh, the best way to go forward with uh, scaling Web3. You know, this is uh, uh, sort of a hybrid approach with zero-knowledge proofs and also uh, sidechain networks in a way. And uh, it's highly uh, dependent on Ethereum. And uh, considering that Ethereum is actually the biggest ecosystem out there still, I think this is the, the best approach out there. So if uh, you, you want to ask me where my heart is, I would say it's with uh, the products that we are building in mvp workshop and uh, with uh, p- pretty much the whole polygon ecosystem
0: can you kind of uh first maybe on a very high level um explain what polygon is but then also can you maybe bridge mvp workshops and the work you're doing there with this whole other um e- uh, polygon ecosystem and how do they interoperate or basically what are you doing of course. That, that's being um, kind of layered on top of the Polygon uh, well, protocol? the thing about Polygon,
1: yeah, I think the uh, the thing about Polygon which makes it interesting, it's uh, very similar actually to, to what the guys from Polkadot or Cosmos are doing but in the Ethereum space. I think the, the idea that uh, brought us Polygon is that uh, there are all of these amazing concepts for uh, uh, scaling Ethereum, which were actually not used in the Ethereum ecosystem just because people wanted to be labeled as uh, a Layer 1 uh, uh, chain or an Ethereum
0: killer so can you uh, to raise money. Uh, I'm just going to stop you there for a quick second yeah? because I want to a little bit unpack... Um, one thing and that's like when you say scale Ethereum for maybe some of us that are not exactly understanding what does that mean when you say scale Ethereum?
1: Uh, Thanks. Well, uh, I'll uh, then take a step back because you can read up the definition like on Polygon's website, you know, I, I can mention it. But the main thing there is I mentioned in 2015 we started building an email on top of Ethereum. Yep. And uh, the good thing and the problem with that was that uh, Ethereum succeeded. And uh, when we started working on it, I was thinking uh, about Ethereum as a world computer. And uh, I thought that Ethereum is actually not going to make sense if Ether goes over like $10 and it becomes too expensive to use. And what happened was that Ethereum in a way became a whale shape. Because uh, Ether is uh, now a couple of thousand dollars, our email that we built in 2015 and launched in early 2017 probably became the world's most expensive email service. And it was also <laughs> slow. So right now, you know, uh, you know, when we launched uh, Lemon Email and Ethereum actually went over a thousand dollars. We were, we already thought we are screwed in a way because we realized that uh, it's going to be impossibly expensive to maintain this network. And it's also going to be very hard for us uh, to send emails over it because uh, every email is going to cost a couple of dollars and not uh, at least, even without attachments. And not every email is worth that much. And uh, that was when Ethers was like uh, three, four times. Less expensive than it is today. Uh, so when we started working on Ethereum, uh, we always started working on Ethereum. We believed it's going to scale indefinitely, and then it didn't happen. And uh, right now, Ethereum, as I said, is relatively expensive to use, and also it covers like fifteen transactions per second. And in our use case with uh, Polygon, we can cover around sixty-five thousand transactions per second, and uh, it's much, much less expensive to use, you know, and we are looking at Polygon as uh, a layer two solution, which is uh, highly dependent on Ethereum in many ways, and which is actually a suite of different uh, solutions. So the the solution that MVP workshop is building is called Polygon Edge. It's uh, something like a substrate in Polkadot, it basically lets you Uh, have your own ethereum client and build your own uh, polygon or evm based uh, network with your own plug and play consensus protocol or networking and uh, we believe that it's probably the best way for you to interact with ethereum because uh, evms you know ethereum virtual machines basically became the de facto standard and we believe that uh, this whole suite of the different solutions for scaling Ethereum that Polygon provides uh, lets you stay in the Polygon ecosystem, but it let, actually lets you take control over your own network or your own application and build it in the way that you actually want, uh, want it to be built. And uh, we are trying to, to, to create, you know, here in Polygon, basically the whole Suite of, of different solutions that uh, you guys as developers can use uh, to launch uh, different uh, applications that are using Solidity and EVMs, uh, but uh, to get much more speed and to actually stay in budget and uh, be a- actually able to get rich, you know, from your apps, mm-hmm. instead of uh, instead of uh, giving away all of the costs to ethereum or actually transferring them to the customer and in that case you you get a very very small customer base that is actually willing to pay for a, an enormously expensive product and uh i think right now mm-hmm. i think yeah. the the main reason polygon succeeded is that was was because from day one we acknowledged that you know ethereum is uh the the best player out there and we want to play together. We do not want to be labeled as an Ethereum killer or anything like that. We basically wanted to become a part of this ecosystem and help it grow instead of uh, trying to restart it uh, too late. And this is something that a lot of projects try to do. But the problem with that is that uh, then you are Years away, uh, years uh, too late, uh, you know, uh, compared to Ethereum, and Ethereum mm-hmm. is doing so many things so good that you actually don't want to do that.
0: So let me ask uh-huh. you this: Is Polygon Edge like a fork of Polygon, or not um, really? Yeah, not really. Not really. really.
1: Mm-hmm. Not really. I, yeah, it's a uh, Polygon Edge is an Ethereum client which uh, actually started of uh, inside of Polygon, you know, by Ferran, which is one of the, the architects of Edge. Uh, back mm-hmm. then it was called Minimal, And uh, the idea was to have a lightweight Ethereum client that can give you a uh, plug-and-play uh, consensus and networking, you know, uh, to build your own chain, which is Ethereum compatible. So we wanted to stay away from forking GET or something like that. We basically wanted to... Uh, have our own uh, set of modular solutions, which was pioneered by our colleague, mihailo you know, and uh, he's actually the brains behind a lot of the, the things happening in Polygon right now, and especially behind Edge, because uh, Edge is probably the closest to his original idea for Polygon, in a way outside of that you can ha- you can have many uh, different uh, uses you know for uh, polygon as an ecosystem and a framework and uh, i think uh, the the thing that uh, you know makes edge stand out is it's probably the easiest way for you to to quickly launch uh, an evm uh, compatible network uh, that, that you can uh, start uh, using tomorrow inside your own company and still be fully compliant with whatever is happening with EVM or Solidity.
0: Yeah. That's very interesting. Um, I have not heard from about Polygon Edge until now, and I've been working with Polygon a bit, but that will be very interesting to check out. Um I'll
1: send you. I'll send you some resources, and also uh, I can also tell you that uh, we just decided to have a, a fifty million, uh, uh, you know, matic uh, uh, grants program, which is around seventy five million dollars, which will just uh, cover projects uh, working on edge. So that's sort of an exclusive.
0: Oh, that's awesome! Well, that's great to uh, to know and. We'll definitely um, announce it in the description of the podcast. But do you have a link to that that you can share? Yes. Or maybe uh,
1: well, yeah, yeah. We can... about the grants program, we are mm-hmm. probably going to actually publish it next week. So okay. considering uh, today's date, it you might air before the link gets yeah. published, but it's going to be live on Polygon website too, uh, soon. Mm-hmm. and uh, in terms of uh, polygon edge i'm actually going to send you a number of resources that you can share in the podcast description and people who actually want to get familiar with edge can use that to to get more uh, familiar with the project and to decide maybe to start uh, building on it
0: excellent thank you <clears throat> so let me ask you then something else um Going back to your other project, Celsius, can you tell us a little bit about that project? What is Celsius, basically what it does and how are you involved?
1: Yes, well, Celsius uh, started working uh, with us in uh, the summer of 2017. Back then it was still at the concept stage. It's actually an amazing project where Alex Mashinsky and his team decided to uh, figure out a way uh, how to start offering uh, yield you know to people who wanted to put down uh, uh, you know uh, their crypto in kind uh, of a cent- central wallet you know such as Celsius and or to basically uh, let them borrow against uh, a crypto based collateral so in a way they were among the companies which pioneered the uh, collateral uh, crypto collateral based lending and they were probably the first company to start offering yield based on that uh, that crypto and uh, i think Celsius was very interesting because it uh, started off with this one idea in uh, early 2017 it pivoted several times in the next few months and then when we started working together, they already had uh, this idea how they see the crypto space evolving in the future. Obviously they were, you know, good fortune tellers of this. And uh, they had a $50 million ICO, uh, dollar ICO in uh, 2018. We killed them with the technical part of that. And uh, now, you know, like uh, four years later, you know, they actually started actually Raising equity rounds, etc. And uh, currently, the company is valued at over $5 billion. Uh, They uh, have close to 900 employees worldwide. They uh, hold over $30 billion in uh, assets under management, have close to 2 million users. And uh, as I said, they're probably the largest single uh, crypto lending and uh, um, uh, yield generating centralized platform right now. I think uh, different DeFi protocols are uh, gaining on them a bit because uh, I I think you know there is a lot of future in DeFi, but uh, also Celsius launched their own division or called Celsius X that uh, tries to deal with uh, different uh, DeFi pro- protocols and then working together with Celsius or actually building their own. So, from this standpoint, I would expect them to, to still keep growing. I'm very proud that the whole technical team actually started here in Serbia. And, uh, you know, considering they are a Newark and Tel Aviv based company, us being uh, the development center for them was also extremely important for us, at least in these early days.
0: That's amazing. And how did they start um, or the technical? Uh, team in Serbia was someone from Serbia originally or
1: well actually Alex uh, you know uh, he had a couple of Serbian companies before you know Alex okay. is uh, the CEO of Celsius he mm-hmm. was actually an early uh, early you know he was actually a pioneer of voice over IP and okay. one of his uh, companies for voice over IP uh, was actually based in Serbia then after that he had Uh, uh, an uber-like company which dealt with the limo services it was actually before uber and that company was also stationed in serbia so he asked the cto of that uh, previous limo app company about uh, helping him with celsius network the guy said he doesn't really you know have any experience with blockchain or crypto but he introduced us so we started talking about the project. And uh, together with Nuke Goldstein, who was actually the CTO of Celsius, we started writing the technical papers and, you know, setting up how the call system could work. And uh, right after that, they were obviously happy with uh, the work that we did. So, you know, they decided to uh, let us actually build the product for them. And uh, that's how we started you know, working together and uh, it was actually an amazing experience.
0: How does uh, like a DeFi app like Celsius work? Or what does it actually, if you can maybe in general walk us through the whole DeFi uh, concept, what it means to just an average consumer?
1: Well, I think, you know, the whole idea of DeFi is that Uh, Let me step back again, just in terms of blockchain and such. I think one of the reasons that I wanted to get involved with blockchain was that I realized that first of all, you know, the new internet needs to be somehow fault tolerant and distributed or or we are not actually going to uh, keep any of the core principles of the internet, mainly security, privacy, and, you know, neutrality as such. And uh, the other thing that I really loved about crypto and uh, blockchain was that uh, as a developer, you could actually uh, have uh, your own uh, payment system or financial instruments inside of the the tech that you're actually using to to build the, the applications. So from that standpoint, I think that was an enormously powerful concept for any developer that wanted to get in touch. At least in these early days of Ethereum, and uh, with DeFi, I think uh, DeFi basically uh, lets us uh, have uh, these financial instruments used in a very similar way. You know, be corporations or banks are doing it to generate revenue based on these uh, these uh, you know uh, payment systems and value systems we are creating with crypto. And uh, the fact that you now have uh, these companies that are just acting as protocols to bring all of these financial systems to the end customer or to the developer was probably one of the, let's say, uh, revelations for me as, um, as, as a software engineer and product builder in crypto in general. So Celsius just capitalized on that by creating a company that uh, helps you leverage uh, different DeFi protocols and uh, liquidity services provided also by centralized and decentralized exchanges. And uh, they just created a business model where they can act as a big uh, institutional or liquidity provider. Uh, to all of the people who want to invest in something like this. And of course, in any service which is uh, uh, dependent on large capital, such such as uh, these ones are, I think, you know, uh, having uh, the largest war chest, and Celsius probably has that, is what makes you the
0: biggest player.
1: And uh, that's, that's how I would say everything happened.
0: Interesting. So, are they acting as um, basically who is setting the gov- governance behind these protocols? Is it, are they kind of some kind of a, a formation like a DAO or is it sort of set by whoever yeah. in writes many, the code? In many
1: cases, yeah, yeah, yeah. In many cases, you have uh, these DeFi protocols basically governed by some source of decentralized uh, uh, you know, authority. -hmm. And uh, but uh, in case of Celsius, it's actually a centralized company. So basically, Celsius and uh, its competitors are mainly not DAOs. They are they are mainly centralized entities that can because they are centralized and uh, uh, in case of Celsius, you know, uh, incorporated in in uh, New Jersey, uh, they are actually able to bring in much more. of uh, you know uh, institutional capital down the line, I think DAOs are still a bit behind uh, companies like Celsius, mainly because uh, uh, of the uh, you know of, of the legal aspect of it. Uh, I would say that uh, at some point we are going to probably see even a more decentralized part of Celsius, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but the reason why we are not still seeing it, and the reason why Celsius is much more successful right now than most of these completely decentralized company, uh, companies, is, is uh, access to institutional capital that they can have because they are actually a centralized entity.
0: Very interesting. Uh, it's definitely worth exploring, exploring. I think it's like, as a I guess. um developer it's a very interesting space the whole uh DeFi space um wanna check with you on on i guess the future itself like where obviously there's all of this like um sort of like piping development and piping like layer two stuff that's going on there's multiple um i guess competing protocols to a certain extent so um, your um experience so far is, is centric to the whole Ethereum blockchain and protocol. Uh but I'm wondering I mean, what else I'm wondering what else like do you yeah, see, I think, example, Solana and stuff like that. That's kind of something a little bit more recent, I guess. As popularity. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. As MVP. Yeah, as MVP workshop, we actually worked with uh, a lot of EVM compatible chains. But uh, we also worked with, uh, you know, Polkadot and uh, Solana quite a bit. We even did some work uh, with Cardano. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, it uh, it's something where I think that uh, we are not going to have one chain that will dominate everyone. But right now, I do think that those chains do, that do support EVM as such have a high advantage just because of the the, the pure you know, uh, number of uh, different applications and code being written for EVM and in solidity. So uh, whoever decides to build uh, something that is not EVM compatible right now has a really long way to go uh, in, teams, in terms of bridging this gap in terms of the number of tools and applications that uh, you know solidity and evm actually has on them. i uh, i really love some of the projects you know happening uh, outside of uh, ethereum and uh, in the polygon ecosystem you know i'm a big fan actually of both uh, Avalanche and uh, Cosmos and Polkadot and a couple of other projects but uh, I think in general that uh, we have this uh, I would say huge gap uh, between those that uh, are EVM compatible and aren't and those who aren't EVM compatible in most cases are actually trying to be so if I should give an advice to someone getting into blockchain: I would uh, uh, probably tell them to understand the EVM as good as possible, and to start uh, with Solidity, etc. And uh, then they might decide to go in another route. Uh, you know, but uh, in general, I, I think that uh, this is what probably gives you the quickest head start. Uh, you know, to to actually become a part of the ecosystem, to uh, find a job from day one and to start building something and uh, to see the biggest projects out there. And then, of course, I don't know, in five, ten years, you know, uh, we might uh, have uh, another type of uh, distributed systems which runs Web3 or Web4, and it, it might not even be a blockchain, but it might be some other sort of fault-tolerant system that uh, wins out in the end. But uh, considering that, I think, as I said, that EVM became, basically became a de facto standard. So if you are looking to to do something, you should probably do it with that.
0: Yeah, that's very interesting. That kind of, as you were saying, that just reminds me of like going, I think both of, us have been in this space for a long time like i i've been close to three decades mm-hmm. um, and things yeah. have changed drastically if i look at you know 90s or uh, early this millennium uh, when it comes to technologies and uh, what is for example popular today where where a lot of these web2 systems are built today either maybe didn't exist or wasn't even like that popular like for example i think javascript is one of th- things that was stayed consistent to a certain extent in growth and scalability but i've seen so many other technologies come and go in between from the beginning of the um uh what i uh, what was his name i forgot the developer that worked for mozilla he's actually behind the brave project right now um uh, he he uh, invented JavaScript, one, you know. Uh, it's uh, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. Brendan Eich, Brendan Eich is his name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he was the guy that yeah. worked with uh, Andreessen at. Uh, uh, I think Netscape.
1: Yeah, and
0: the
1: uh, well, look what these guys are doing uh, with Brave. I, I also mm-hmm. love in terms that uh, Andreessen you know, Horowitz is. Uh, a great investment company, and they all, all, all have this, uh, uh, you know, uh, amazing reputation, and they are standing behind uh, Brave, and uh, you know, obviously, Andreessen and Knight and all of these guys. They already have experience launching projects such as Mozilla. But I, I actually want to urge you to think about it in the in another way. You know, uh, mm-hmm. I would love to do something together with them, and uh, maybe we will in the future. But I think it's also uh, a logic uh, behind all of these projects that is very interesting, you know, because Brave basically uh, is a browser that uh, says you are going to control your cookies, but it also says that you are going to earn your money by watching uh, commercials. And uh, the, the the only thing that I don't actually like about Brave is that the fact that we still do not have a better use case we are all willing to stand behind on uh, making money on the internet other other than advertising you know so basically if you think about uh, the future of the internet if brave wins out in the end it still means that uh, the main uh, inflow of money on the internet comes from ads and I think uh, web free is so much more than that I don't say that uh, brave is not uh, so much better than you know Mozilla or um, or uh, Chrome or you know internet Explorer etc I think it's a it's a much uh, more fair project uh, in terms of your, your data and privacy I just don't like the fact that we are still thinking about, uh you know the the ad the ad uh, industry being the primary driver of uh, adoption of the internet and for me there is a a big part of brave still saying that you know basically uh, you you want to watch ads and earn money which actually as i said means that uh, most of the things you're still doing with the browser and uh, you being uh, used as uh, as the user uh, to generate money comes down to to advertising and uh, shoving you know stuff you don't actually maybe need down your throat uh, to buy to consume. So personally, I would love that the Internet of Value ends up being uh, uh, you know uh, more. Uh, more of a, of a different place, you know, I'm more than willing to pay to use the internet if it's actually going to create me value instead of just uh, pushing uh, different ads and uh, sales pitches down down my throat
0: yeah, I totally agree and and <clears throat> that kind of brings me to uh, you know uh, thought about or what are your thoughts regarding you know what are the next sort of applications on maybe um that are directly facing the the actual customer, or it can be like a consumer or a business customer that has sort of this whole um, value chain that is not set to the traditional model, which is all about advertising or basically selling some pixels on your screen. Um, what ha- what are you seeing? Like for example, there's NFTs. There's you know companies like Brain Trust. Yeah, I think.
1: Yeah, I think we are already there where, where we can probably be safe to say that uh, Web3 is uh, going to become mainstream for finance and creator economy in the next couple of years. I think the main uh, uh, thing that developers could probably be working on right now to make that happen is to create much better abstraction layers for on- onboarding new users. Uh, I think for, as I said, you know, if we had uh, better user experience, uh, uh, um, you know, onboarding new people to uh, Ethereum wallets or to, you know, uh, uh, you know different types of uh, identity-based solutions, I think we would definitely uh, be much quicker to onboard more people to Web3 in general. And also then to these uh, end-user applications. Primarily in uh, in finance and uh, as I said, creator economy, which is you know based around NFTs or different f- forms of digital content in general. I think it's uh, it's kind of already there. As I said, I think we are just missing missing the UX.
0: Yeah, that's a very good point. I think that's a big challenge. So, a couple, of, I guess, overall approaches I've seen is. Um, you know, being truly decentralized with, you know, having a MetaMask extension in your Chrome browser, for example, or having more of a centralized approach where you are technically storing the uh, private and public key for every user in like a centralized database like MongoDB and then allowing users to maybe purchase NFTs or other stuff, um uh, what have you seen I'm wondering based on your experience well, and interaction with different companies where's this whole basically direction going yeah. with the user experience to make it easier to you know an average person on the street to to abstract out like all these crazy parts that they don't understand like what's a crypto wallet and what's a private key and stuff like that
1: exactly well yeah I think uh... You know, uh, the problem with these abstraction layers that are out there is that they are mostly built in a way that heavily sacrifices against this point of self-custody in general. Yep. So basically, you, you end up with a, with a single sign-on service, you know, for for different things that is basically handling your crypto wallet for you. And the main reason is that uh, crypto wallets, as such, are still overly complicated. I'm not really sure what's going to be the best solution there. Ideally, we would have uh, more like a standardized and uh, less complicated uh, type of crypto wallets, you know, and uh, you could uh, just uh, log into them in a more straightforward manner that we are going to understand in a better way but we are probably uh, like a couple of years away from that. And the the bad part about uh, being a part of these new pre-competitive technologies is that you get into a technology that has no standardization and has a relatively low level of abstraction. And uh, because of that, uh, it's uh, a very big opportunity for you to build a lot of new things. But on the other hand, it becomes harder and harder to onboard new users before you solve for these things. Exactly. And uh, yeah, I think uh, uh, up until the point that we actually have a good solution. And I don't want to promote any single solution right now because I'm not really sure that any uh, a- any solution is good enough. Uh, and all of the all of the good ones actually uh, are. You know, they require a relatively steep learning curve, a learning curve, at least for the, the the new users who are not technical. And up until we solve for that, which is not something I consider right now myself smart enough to solve in the near future, uh, we are we are going to have some problems onboarding people. But uh, yep. once that uh, happens, we are actually probably going to see the floodgates open in a way and yeah. uh at that point we are actually probably going to have the the true migration from web to to web free.
0: yeah i agree i i started working with solidity in 2017 and built a couple of small apps but i was always a little bit apprehensive and these are all like consumer facing application about continuing working on them because the whole friction between you know basically creating a wallet, etc, was just a big step for many users at the time. This was like 2017, but it hasn't really over the last five years changed that much. Obviously, there's a much larger adoption in general of crypto, but these are more people that are willing to. They're kind of like early, um, adopters who are willing to spend the time and effort to set up a wallet, like fund it, etc. Or
1: yeah, 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 yes. But they're also the people you know, uh, willing. Uh, some of them are, and some of them are the people just willing to trust a centralized entity to do it for them. Exactly. And uh, if you do that, then you also take away a, a lot of the positive parts, also. Exactly. So I'm not saying don't do it, but I'm saying uh, if you agree to to do it in that manner, then uh, you also have to realize that those apps, uh, if that is their only, uh, you know, unique cell uh, point, you know, being decentralized and safe, uh, once you add that abstraction layer, they might become a bit more centralized and then uh, you are losing some of the appeal. You either have to have these apps become uh, a part of a much bigger, more developed ecosystem, which will take some years, or you actually have to uh, give all of the advantages of, you know, uh, decentralized user management and taking care of your own data and your own keys. But uh, in the same uh, level of low difficulty that you have with centralized systems. And this is a hard uh, hard, hard uh, thing to, to solve for. you know it's not something that we had before. And uh, you know, like 10 years ago with proof of work, we basically uh, solved uh, this problem of moving uh, you know uh, moving, uh, fault-tolerant systems uh, from uh, localized environments to a global network like, uh, you know, blockchain. Like the internet with blockchain, basically. And uh, right now, we probably need the same uh, amount, amount of creativity and innovation to do something like this again.
0: I agree. Well, Ivan, it was excellent to have you on. I mean, I've learned a lot from you. Thank you for that. And it was a great conversation. I'm hoping in the future we get to revisit uh, uh, this whole topic uh, within the current state. Basically, whenever we talk again in the future, maybe we can discuss where we're standing related to the user onboarding and things of that nature. Uh, Thank you. And uh, it's been a pleasure.
1: I would uh, love that and thank you for the invitation. If you are open uh, to having some of the engineers, you know, also building Polygon Edge in the future uh, on your podcast, I would also love to to make that intro, you know, because right now as the CEO of Amifi Workshop and as like more of a strategic and business leader, I'm kind of a washed up engineer. So at some point uh, you might actually want to talk to these other people who are like real builders behind the, the scenes and uh, that might also be interesting
0: for you. I think that that's a not a great idea. We'll definitely take you on that. So we'll talk more about it soon. Thank you, Luke. Yeah. And thank you for Kevin.